going to get back to, the, uh, to our study. <clears throat> O.S. Hawkins wrote the book, The Joshua Code, 52 verses every believer should know. And we're kind of working our way through those, those 52 verses. We talked a couple of weeks ago from Galatians 2.20 about leaving our, our old self behind, about counting it dead, crucified with Christ. And we talked last week about follow me. Jesus says, follow me. And so he takes these fishermen right where they are for just who they are and says, follow me. And so we, we saw that. So this morning, we're going to talk about sin. Finally, something we're good at, right? Maybe even subject matter experts at, perhaps. We're going to talk about sin this morning. And... And I really want you to, to, to look at these verses carefully. It's 1 John chapter 1 is where we're going to be. 1 John chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 5. Now, they will be up here behind me, but I want you to really pay attention to what these verses say. And we'll talk about them as we have been uh, since the beginning of the year. We'll talk about their context. Then we'll, we'll ask ourselves the so what. So what does this say about God? So what does it say about me? And so what do I need to do now that I know this about God and about myself? And then we're going to look at the, uh, the, the comfort and the challenge that we find in these verses. We'll look at it phrase by phrase. So we're going to kind of do this in our study tips way and, uh, and work our way through these. So let's read these. Again, it'll up, it, it's up here behind me, but 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So context, this is one of the pastoral epistles as they're called. John writes, now John wrote the, the Gospel of John. This is John, by the way, the, the brother of James, the son of Zebedee, sons of thunder, as Jesus called them. Not John the Baptist, this is, this is John the disciple or apostle. <clears throat> and he writes very, very carefully. We've been studying 1 John in our Wednesday night study and prayer meeting, and, and we've seen how carefully and precisely John uses language. And he does that throughout 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He does that really in his own gospel as well, in the, in the gospel of John. But it's really evident in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John how precise his word usage is. So that's a, the overall context is this is written by John, who was the, the disciple, <coughs> excuse me, the disciple that leaned against the breast of Jesus. He is the disciple that was in the inner circle of Jesus. John, the, the son of Zebedee, the son of thunder, he was one of the inner circle. He was close to Jesus. And he tells us right at the beginning of this, 
In fact, if you just look up a little bit in 1 John, it says that, that what we have heard, and, and the way the, the, usage, the, the Greek is used there, the original Greek is used, it is what we have heard and can still hear ringing in our ears. What we have seen and can still picture in our minds, still see with our mind's eye. He uses this, John, John is a first-hand disciple of Jesus. And so we have to keep that in mind as we read. When he tells us something, he heard it from the lips of Jesus himself. And so when he talks about sin here, he's talking about something that, that Jesus told him. So, uh, so again, precise language and, and, uh, and one, of the, one of the greatest disciples. I, uh, I like the Gospel of John very much, and I like uh, these letters, these epistles of John as well, because of their precise use of language and because it's, they're just so beautiful to read. Now, <clears throat> first John here, John <clears throat> tells us, he, he makes it very clear that there is no gray area. There is no middle ground. There's no fence to sit on. There is light or darkness. There is love or hate. That he doesn't give us any place. Now, we like to live in the gray area, right? We kind of like to live in that area. Well, well I, don't, I don't love him, I, but I don't hate him. That's not an option for, for John. It's not an option. He says that, that if you do not love, then you by default hate. If, you do not, if you're not walking in the light, then you are by default walking in the darkness. First John gives us no gray area, no middle ground, no fence to sit on. You are one or you are the other. And we see that as he talks here, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. That he does not give us any room, any wiggle room. And we like to live in the wiggle room, don't we? We like to live in that spot where we're not completely sold out one way or the other. And John tells us we're not compo- completely sold out for Christ, then we are not with Christ at all. It is love or it is hate and nothing in between. So that's the context of what we've talked about. So, so what does it say about God? What does this tell us about God? It says God is light in the context here. God doesn't have light. He is light. God is light. And so, everything that is not, uh, not God's is darkness. There's no, no middle ground, remember. No fence to sit on. Everything that is not God's is darkness. Light dispels darkness. Think about it when you come into a dark room and turn a light on. The, the dark doesn't go hide someplace. It's gone. And that's how, how it is with God. God is light. And he told us that in verse 5. And again, in the context, it tells us that God wants to have fellowship with us. Now, <clears throat> God's desire is to have fellowship with us. Let that sink in for a minute. Because we're talking about the creator and sustainer of everything we know. And that God, the God of the Bible, wants to have fellowship with you and I. That is kind of amazing. And in fact, he wants to have this fellowship so much that he knew we, he had to deal with our sin. 
We have sin that separates us from God. And God knew that in order to have fellowship with us, he had to deal with that sin. That's Jesus. That's the forgiveness that's talked about here. God forgives, and, I, and I, we, so often, we so often leave it there that we're forgiven for our sin by God. But forgiveness has a point, and that point is the restoration of a relationship. That point is so that we can have fellowship with God again. Forgiveness is a step towards this relationship. It's not an end to itself. It is in order to be restored to fellowship with God. Because, so God forgives with the point of restoring fellowship. And in verse 9, um, you're going to hear me say this a lot today, because verse 9 is, is one of the greatest texts in the Bible on forgiveness. Look at it again. It says that we are forgiven because of God's faithfulness and righteousness. It doesn't say that we're forgiven because of our faithfulness and righteousness. It says he is faithful and righteous to forgive. So our forgiveness is not based upon how good you can be. Our forgiveness is not based upon cleaning yourself up before you confess. Our, our forgiveness is not based on confess plus do these things. Look at that verse closely. Does it say, if you confess except for these sins, these are, are outside the, the block? It doesn't say that, does it? It also doesn't say, if you confess and do this stuff, then he is faithful and, and, and righteous to forgive. No, it just says, if you confess, he is faithful and righteous to forgive. Our forgiveness is based upon his faithfulness his righteousness, not ours. Isn't that good news? I think that's fantastic news. So you're going to hear me repeat it a few times today. So what does it say about us? The verse promises forgiveness for us. We can be forgiven. We can be set free. We can have fellowship with God. It's possible for us. It's possible because we've been forgiven, because God has dealt with our sin. We are forgiven because of God's faithfulness and righteousness, not ours. Now, that's particularly good news because we have a hard time pulling off faithfulness and righteousness. These two things are really hard for human beings. These two things are really hard for any man or woman. Pull off faithfulness and righteousness and get it right every time we don't and so forgiveness is based on his faithfulness and righteousness and <clears throat> only only the incredible amazing unending love of god can do this only the the incredible amazing unending love of god can forgive us in order to restore relationship. You have heard me say it from this platform. I will say it again. You are the target and the focus and the purpose of the faithfulness of God. You are the target and the, and the focus and the purpose of the forgiveness of God. 
you are the target and the focus and the purpose of the love of God. You are the target and the focus and the purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You, you and I. We are so loved by God that he would deal with our sin just so we could have fellowship with him. That's who we are. That's who we are in Christ. And so what do we need to do now that we know this about God and about ourselves? <coughs> the one stipulation that's in this verse, we have to confess. Now, confess is not what you usually think of in confession. Confess just, the, the, the Greek word literally means to speak the same as. It, it, we would say it today maybe agree with or acknowledge all we have to do is acknowledge that what we did or said or thought is sin. It's sin because God said it's sin. And so all we got to do is acknowledge that. We just are agreeing with God that it was sin. Our society, our culture, likes to marginalize sin. It likes to kind of set sin aside and say, well, everybody else is doing it, right? So it's marginalized and so it's justified. We can't do that. We have to be the ones that, that agree with God that it's sin. It's not sin because we think it is. It's not sin because culture thinks it is or society thinks it is. It's sin because God says so. And his, his voice on this is the only one we can hear. It's sin if God says it's sin. No matter what our culture or society wants, wants to say, it's sin if God says it's sin. And so we simply agree with God that what we said or thought or did is sin. That's it. That's what we have to do. <coughs> and because the forgiveness is based on God's faithfulness and righteousness, we are forgiven when we agree. It is that simple. We agree with God that what I did or said or thought was sin and you are forgiven. And because you are forgiven, the fellowship with God is re restored. Because you, are, because you agree and are forgiven, you are in fellowship with God once again. It's been restored. We, uh, we tend to hang on to our past. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago with, with Galatians 2.20. We tend to hold on to stuff and we hang on to the guilt and the shame of, of, of past sin. I want you to look at this verse and understand that if you're hanging on to this stuff, if you're not forgiving yourself for this, when you have been forgiven by God, then all you're doing is doubting his faithfulness and his righteousness. You're not doubting your own righteousness or faithfulness. You're doubting God's because God says he forgives it out of his faithfulness and righteousness. So all you're doing is doubting his faithfulness and righteousness if you're hanging on to it and not forgiving yourself for it. God wants us to have a good life. He wants us to be in fellowship with him. And so he wants us to drop our sin at the foot of the cross and be done with it and go forward. Live forward. So let's look at this kind of phrase by phrase. If we confess our sins, 
The only condition, confess to be forgiven. You know, what, speaking the same as God, agreeing with God, there's a step of humility here that says, no matter what I think of this, even though my society, my culture, my family, everybody I know does this, if you say it's sin, God, it's sin. And so I confess it. There's, a, there's humility here. There's, it, it's humbling for us to come and say we did something wrong. I don't, I don't know about women, but I know men are really bad at this. We're really, really not good at saying we did it wrong. But we have to. We have to, for, for our own sake, with God, we have to say, we, I did it wrong. I said it wrong. I thought it wrong. This is sin because you say it's sin. And so I confess my sin. Now, I want to I add some context back into this because if, you, if you're thinking, well, I'm not really all that bad. I don't really need all that much forgiving then verse 8 is for you. Because verse 8 says, if you think you have no sin, you are deceiving yourself. Nobody else is fooled. Only you. Only you are fooled if you think, I don't really have that much to be forgiven. You're the only one that's fooled. And look at verse 10, you're calling God a liar. You're calling God a liar if you say, well, I don't have that much to forgive. I, you know, I'm not that bad of a guy. You're calling God a liar and you're deceiving yourself. And so, just be real, man. <laughs> just agree with God that you have sin. Be forgiven and restored to relationship. Confess here in, this, in, the, uh, in the original Greek is a present active verb. That means it's an ongoing thing. There are those that say you confess that you need Christ once and then never have to confess anything again. That's not what this says. What this says is that, that, that we are consistently confessing. It's a present active verb. So we are consistently confessing. <clears throat> have you, since you came to Christ, have you ever at any point sinned again? If not, let me refer you to verse 8. Of course we have, and so we confess. We continually confess. It's part of living in the light. It's part, it's part of living and following Christ is seeing our sin and confessing it. He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. Point out again, forgiveness is based on his faithfulness and righteousness, not ours. And so it, it, forgiveness is, is a function of his faithfulness and his righteousness. God has said, in Christ, I forgive you. And because he's faithful to that covenant, and because he's righteous, you are forgiven when you confess. It's that simple. It's that simple yet that profound, isn't it? Because, because we want to put so much more on that. We want to add so many things to that. There's sins that can't be forgiven 
Or, or you, yes, you, you confess, but then you've got to do this stuff too. You've got to pay a penance of some kind, right? There's so many. Uh, last I, I read, almost 70% of the religions in the world are based on a works-based theology, that you work your way to heaven. This says, I confess that I'm a sinner and I am forgiven. And because I'm forgiven, I'm restored to fellowship with God. That's it. You, it there's not a, a, a list of Bible studies you have to do. There's, you, you don't have to, to uh, make sure that your name's on the rolls of a church. You don't have to make sure, you know, we take attendance every Sunday. You know that, right? No, we don't. <laughs> you don't have to make sure your name, your, your, your name is, the box next to your name is checked every week. You have to confess, agree with God that it was sin, and accept the forgiveness. Remember, if you don't forgive yourself, if you're hanging on to it, then you're doubting the righteousness and faithfulness of God. And so you accept the forgiveness and move forward. That's all it takes. Because it's based on his faithfulness and his righteousness. And forgive in this is also an active verb. So every time we confess, he forgives. I know that we bring the same sin. We did it again this week where we bring the same sin in front of him and he, as long as we are confessing, he is forgiving. As many times as you bring it before him, he forgives. It's an active verb. He is constantly forgiving. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, we are made righteous by the forgiveness he offers us in his righteousness and faithfulness. The function of God's faithfulness and righteousness is forgiveness, and the outcome of forgiveness is righteousness. We are made righteous. We are given the righteousness of Christ when we confess and accept forgiveness. So we go from sin, the sin we just committed to forgiveness, to righteous before God. That is complete forgiveness. That is forgiveness like, like we do not get from other people. It's forgiveness that only comes from God, the kind of forgiveness from God that, that takes us from who we used to be to who we are. That's forgiveness. These are, uh, the, the idea of being cleansed is, is uh, these terms are used in, in worship. And so, in, in the temple, and, and, and basically they, they go through the process of cleansing something so that it can be used in worship of God. You are cleansed so that you may be used for worship of God. If you confess, he forgives and makes you ready for worship, cleanses you from all unrighteousness. So what's the comfort and the challenge of these, these verses? The comfort, I think, is simple and obvious, yet profound. We acknowledge our sin before God, and he forgives us completely. Completely. We are as if we never sinned before God. Our 
our righteousness is given to us and our, our relationship with God is restored if we confess. And so the hard part, the challenge, is confession, isn't it? It's confession because we like, we like to hang on to that stuff or we like to justify it, marginalize it and justify it and say, well, it's not really sin because everybody does it. And it's pretty well accepted in our culture today, our, our society today. You know, everybody kind of does a little bit of it, so it's just fine. If God says it's sin, it's sin. And, and Kevin, we talked about this. Sin is bad. Yes. <laughs> Wrong is good too, but bad is better. Sin is bad. You learn nothing else today. Sin is bad. There you go. Thanks for coming. <laughs> this is an amazing verse of Scripture because it explains forgiveness in a way that's not explained anywhere else. It explains how God forgives because He is faithful and righteous, not because we are. It explains that we are completely forgiven and restored to fellowship with God. That forgiveness is not an end to itself. It is a, a step toward the end, which is fellowship with God. We are restored to complete fellowship with God through the forgiveness we have if we simply confess. So I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. I would like you to take a few minutes right here and as God brings it to you, confess it. Don't argue with God on whether it's sin or not. If he says it is, it is. Don't wrestle with God until your hip's dislocated. If God says it's sin, it's sin, just confess it. Yes, God, I agree with you that it's sin. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, that is our prayer. We confess our sins. We confess the things that we have said wrong and done wrong and thought wrong. And we acknowledge that what you say is sin is sin. Forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness that we might be restored to you, that we might be ready for worship. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This is Pastor Jim from Porter Mountain Fellowship. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. These are sermons from our 10.30 a.m. service on Sundays. If you're in the neighborhood, stop by. We're on the corner of Porter Mountain Road and Commerce Drive in beautiful Lakeside, Arizona.